Hello and welcome to the ISA Radio. Uh, this is Nate Jones, your co-host with Structurally. Uh, we're excited today on our sixth episode to be joined by Robbie T and the ISA team at Hatch Coaching. Robbie, could you give an introduction to these fine gentlemen? Absolutely. Uh, hey, super excited for today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't have Eric, uh, our rainmaker, the man, uh, but we replaced him with three of the real rainmakers in our world. Uh, we got Cody Meyer, uh, one of our fellow leads geeks. Um, Cody um, is is a phenomenal ISA um, who who's really excelled in, in some system pieces, and, and I'm excited to hear his thoughts today. He was also recently named by our team as the the sales manager. Uh, so we got Cody, we got Eric Hegg, um, who is the ever talented ISA uh, who seems to speak like three or four different languages. I still don't know why he works with us, uh, but he is one of the up and coming and, and blooming ISAs and. Uh, I know that we look to him a lot when it comes to texting leads, so I'm excited for him to share his stories, his thoughts, his ideas today as well. And then I have the man, the myth, the legend here too. We got we got Jimmy Rentfro, um, and Jim is without a doubt the, the best ISA in the country. Um, over the last three years, the dude has procured hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of deals. Um, I'm not going to say the exact number because I get it wrong, and Jim would... Uh, correct me instantly, huh. but we got some stellar ISAs, some of the top producing ISAs in the country, and, and I'm excited for them to share um, their stories um, about you know what the role looks like, especially in regards to how we use texting uh, to con- convert leads. Awesome. We appreciate everyone being on here today. Um, a little bit of a, of a change in topic. Um, we're really focusing on how to text your real estate leads today. Uh, we've got the best in the business uh, who know the ins and outs of everything you should or shouldn't say uh, and when and when not to text your leads. So with this sixth episode of Real Estate ISA Radio, we're covering how to text your real estate leads. So with that, I really just want to want to jump into the first question. Uh, how often and for what percent of leads are you guys typically texting uh, in your pipeline regularly? Jim, it's all you, brother. You go ahead. Yeah, so I'll start us off. Um, as far as the percent of leads that we are texting, it is 100%. So we've built out our system to automate uh, text every single day. So when a lead comes in, we get to it in five minutes. We call, and then we'll send a text immediately after if we don't get a hold of them. And then the next day, through the first 10 days, they're getting one text, one email, and multiple calls per day. And then it's built out basically for the next six months, uh, every 15 days afterwards until they respond to us. <laughs> I love it. Uh, to, to add to that, so Jim, is, is there any any leads in that we don't text? Um, any leads that we don't text, period? Uh, yeah, on, the only leads we don't text are the ones that have unsubscribed. Um, and our system won't allow that. And technically, we wouldn't want to do that anyways because it's a good way to get fined. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love it good good cody eric what, what are your thoughts anything you want to add to that as far as the recurring what's in our pipeline that we're texting 
for me, I have about 600 in my pipeline at any given time. And usually every day I'll start out the day by texting 20 to 30 of them. And that's the first thing when I get in in the morning. And then as they start, you know, some will respond, some won't. But as they respond, I'll take a break at like 10 a.m., noon, 2 p.m., and then right before I leave work in the evening just to spend 10, 15 minutes replying to those texts and keeping that conversation going. So that's overall about uh, 5% of my pipeline every day that I'm texting. Mm. That's interesting. Could I, could I jump in there? One, one uh, follow-up question on there. Do you, do you set a recurring task every time someone responds to respond back to them? Or how do you stay on top of you know, uh, an extended conversation after you get someone on the hook? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'll have a task reminder for that first thing in the morning, and that's where I'll start the conversation. And then as they reply, they come in through our CRM. It'll just show up in my communications uh, tab as unread text messages. And I never try not to go to bed with any of those left unread. So if I'm even you know watching TV or reading a book in the evening, um, I'll usually just take 10 minutes set that time aside and just reply to those people at the, at night. And a lot of times they'll reply and I'll just keep the conversation going when I get back to work at 8 a.m. the next day. Got it. Mm. That makes sense. Cool. Cody, yeah, I, anything I, to I, add? I want to I ask another follow-up question. And, and I think, Cody, that maybe you can answer this one uh, to get you to chime in and add some stuff as well. Um, a lot of people ask me um, what times a day – are, are you texting leads? And, and if I were to just ask you guys, when are you guys texting leads? Uh, what what would your answer be? When are you guys texting these leads? I think I kind of concur with Eric as far as, you know, setting some time aside in the morning to be going through a portion of the pipeline. But honestly, it's, it's all day. Um, if I've got the phone on me and, you know, I get a text, I'll text them right back right away. You know, it takes uh, all of two seconds. And, you know, for some old leads, you can re-engage them if they, you know, um, got a drip text or are finally responding back to one of my texts. And we've got them on the hook there. I, you know, I text any as long as I'm awake and I've got the phone in my hand, I'll play that game all day. AK, have you guys ever seen, like, do most of your texts happen between 8 and 10 a.m., 10 to noon? Or, or is it fair to say that um, texting is something that has really been an all the time from 8 a.m. until 9 p.m. type game? Yeah, it's it's all the time. Um, there's definitely higher response rates, I feel like, over the lunch break time and then at, like, 5 p.m. as people are getting off work. But a lot of people, even when I'm making calls, they'll be like, I can't chat right now. I'm in, uh, I'm at work. And it'll just, uh, I'll just um, ask them like, hey, would it work better if I texted you? And nine times out of 10, yeah, absolutely. And then you can just continue that that phone conversation via text. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say one thing from Structurally's perspective, you know, being that we get thousands of messages a day, um, we definitely see... Um, the highest, uh, you know, engagement rate during during the daytime hours. But uh, I think the numbers between what we consider after hours, um, which I think is just what we what we considered 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., uh, mm-hmm. we see about 30 percent of all of our messages come in during that time, and then mm-hmm. the remain. And then I think it's another 30 percent 
I'll have to double check those numbers. Uh, but I think it is another 30% that come in overnight. So 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, so there's there's definitely a large opportunity for our, mm. our responsive leads that come in, quote, after hours. Uh, and if you don't have the right thing set up, uh, if you don't have the right systems in place to follow up with them, at least at the next business day at the soonest, uh, those can often slip through the crack. Yeah, well, I want to add to that real quick because I, I think one of the things that uh, you hit on, Eric, and I just want to emphasize it, and I think Jim and Cody are doing something comparable, and a lot of my clients are, is is the fact that sometimes we will text a lead and we'll send that text, and um, the problem is is that if they don't text us back, we'll accidentally forget about that lead. And, and making sure you set some type of reminder to remind yourself to text that person again. I think the simplest way to, to really discuss texting in this day and age is um, texting is a wonderful medium, but the reality is is that so many times people will open up your texts, start sending you a text back and forget. Or um, sometimes they'll even start uh, typing that response and forget. Or frankly, open it up, just be looking at it, and then they get another Facebook notification and now it's slipped through the cracks. And a lot of times we got to send some type of nudge to get people to re-engage. Um, and I, you know, some people are like, well, won't that annoy them? And the reality is this, and, and, and I'm going to pick on you for a second, Nate. Um, Nate, have you ever been texting, you know, maybe a business partner or, or your mom or dad, and, and you completely forgot to respond when they had texted you? Absolutely. All the time. All the, all the time, right? And here's the thing is, do you love those people? Do you care about those people? I do. You do. Um, and you, you, you blank, you ghost your friends and family just because that's the world we live in, right? Our, our phones is full of noise. We only respond to text when it's convenient. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is we're human beings and we forget to respond. So make sure you're setting some type of trigger um, because if, if here's the thing, if they forget to text you back, that client's not really missing anything. If you forget to re-engage in that conversation, on the other hand, you're probably missing out on some really great opportunities. So make sure to follow their advice and, and schedule something um, to remind yourself. Yeah, I would say that's so important. Um, just to stay on touch, it's to stay on top of all your leads to continuously nurture them. Um, one of the most common phrases we use is, um, you know, j I just want to make sure I'm not dropping the ball. So, you know, shooting them a, a re-engagement, an, another nudge, um, but you know, actually calling out that you are being a little bit annoying usually goes a long way because they say we see so many responses that are like, oh, you're not dropping the ball. I just forgot to hit send. It happens so often. Um, that people just completely forget to respond to you, even though they are still interested. Yes. Yeah, that brings that brings up a good point, Nate, because I think one of our most heavily responded to texts is the alien text we sent, where <laughs> literally it's we built it into our system. I think it goes on out on day eight or nine, and we get tons of replies for it. It's basically the same thing. It's like, hey, we haven't heard it from you, so either you're not interested. Um, you're still looking but haven't had time to reply or you got abducted by aliens and it's it's actually funny to see how many people reply to that text and so what we've done in the past is you know we've had systems go out every 30 days with our automatic system once we talk to someone and the discussion i think we're having now is 
you know, for our A's and B's, we need to move that up. Maybe do every seven days, every five days, just to make sure we're constantly in, t- in front of them still. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very good point. Yeah, I think that, I mean, just going, you know, using content, uh, diversifying your messages so that you cut through the noise is so important in today's today's age. Not only, you know, staying on top of people, but also getting them to, to look at your message and, you know, be interested in it uh, so much so that they actually open their phone and try and reply to you. So what are some of the best lines, some of the best scripts um, that you guys are using today, other than your alien, uh, or I've heard eaten by alligators, other than that line, uh, what are you guys using to spark engagement for some of those hard to reach or unresponsive leads? Well, well I don't we, like, we implemented the what we call the six minute text, which we got that idea from you guys. And um, I think when the tracking was working, we had about 26% of new leads were responding to that text. So we would send out the first text message as soon as we got to it. Um, you know, just, Hey, I saw you were looking at, at homes online. Are you just curious or are you thinking about maybe making a move? And then six minutes after that, it's just a, a quick text that says, let me know if you have any questions. And we get just an incredible amount of response to that second text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been huge. I think, I don't know exactly the psychology behind that, but the the reason I think that six minute or I've heard a 12 minute nudge message is so powerful is because in today's, uh, in today's age in 2019, people have sniffed out autoresponders and they think that first message is usually an autoresponder. But as soon as you hit them with the, the second one, they're like, whoa, wait a second. This is, this is maybe actually a human. I should respond. That's what I think is actually <laughs> going on behind the scenes. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, it, to add to it as well, the other piece is it's another notification on their phone that reminds them of the first message. And I can't understate the importance of that is half of the reason people don't respond is they just forget or they forgot, they got distracted. And just a little bit of a ping somewhat later, you're right, Nate, that first off, it seems human. But secondly, it's another ping to the top of their to-do list. It's something that's like, oh, I got to get this done again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one that I'll do um, with people I've had conversations with is basically I'll just start dropping properties to them via text. Um, so if they've kind of ghosted me, I'll, I'll look at what their history is and see which ones they've favorited or see which ones they've looked at the most and just start sending those over. Like, Hey, I, you know, i just wanted to see if you'd be interested in a house like this. Well, quite frankly, I know they're interested in a house like this because they've looked at it 14 times online but at least starts that conversation and a come from value as well. Cody, what are some of your, yours that you uh, have been using? So one of my favorite things to do, honestly, is if, if we've had a conversation in the past and, and you've kind of fallen off, fall, fell off the radar, excuse me, um, is to double back on the conversation we already had. So, for example, if, you know, I'm texting Nate and we've been talking about kitchens before, I might text Nate, um, you know, a couple of days later if I if he's fallen off the radar and say like, hey, Nate, you know, we were talking about big kitchens before meant to ask, you know, what kind of finishes are you looking for? And it's not even really about the details so much as it is all of a sudden you have something to work with and you automatically come back with, you know, we really like the newer stuff uh, we've been seeing in, you know, X house or, you know, in, in these builders. And then I ca- I've got a brand new springboard to start a conversation. I know you're there. And then I just make sure that I'm continuing to end each text with a question. I never want to send a, a text that doesn't have a question in it. 
Sure. Yeah, I think that's that that question piece is so important. And I mean, you know, this is this is not unlike typical sales. If you're selling software, if you're selling insurance, um, I think we're hitting on some of the basic fundamentals of sales, which is, um, like Jim said, always provide value. You know, setting a listing, and like Cody said, always ends, always end in a question. If you're if you're just mm-hmm. simply texting to text, um, you know, trying to promote yourself. I mean, people are going to ignore that. It's it's no different than you know deleting the, that, that spammy email, uh, from their inbox, uh, they're just <laughs> yep. gonna, they're just gonna swipe left and delete your spammy text. If there's no value or no question added. Uh, I had one really off topic question that I wanted to ask you guys. Um, I've, I've heard it from some people. Do you guys ever use video texting or I'm, I, I call them gifs. They could be called gifs. I don't really know how you guys, how you guys say that, <laughs> but I've heard people just like dropping a funny gif or video into a into a message to spark some to spark some engagement with those super hard to reach leads do you guys ever do anything kind of funny like that no um our crm right now doesn't support gifs sending that out but uh you know if we were to if we were engaging someone not through the crm we could do that and i've had uh clients that have used that back as well but um it's not like a regular practice that we employ here Mm -hmm. yeah i would say the same it's not something we employ plus i have pretty dark humor so (laughs) i try not to use it with clients (laughs) got it so i know i know one thing that you guys preach and you're the best at in the country is mirroring and matching uh you guys have done so many videos and leads geeks on mirror and mirroring and matching over the phone is there anything that you guys use to mirror and match uh, via text? Is that even possible? Yes, absolutely. Um, if they are, you still want to mirror and match their energy level. So if it's somebody that is selling their home because they just had a death in the family, uh, you want to mirror and match that and be empathetic to their situation. But if it's a first time home buyer, they just got pre-approved. They're really excited. They're using lots, you know, lots of exclamation points, emoticons. I, I'm going to mirror and match that right back. If they're sending me quick, short texts that are very to the point, I'm going to mirror and match that back. And if they're sending me a paragraph and they're just telling me their whole life dream, I'm going to mirror and match that back as well. Yeah, I like that. I, I think the best way I, I've learned to do to describe this, Nate, is that. Uh, these principles of mirroring and matching um, still hold true. All that's changing is the medium in which we're having the conversation. And, and I think you, you hit it on the head, Eric, that you can kind of tell, and I know we use DISC as just a very shorthand way to know the way someone acts and communicates traditionally, but you can usually tell the way um, someone communicates if they're a high D, because you're gonna get like four, four words at most, or they're gonna be very sh- direct, short answers, whereas somebody that's very social and gregarious and outgoing, it's gonna be a longer, more energetic, optimistic type text. And the reality then is, if anything, it's actually probably easier to mirror match via text message because it's literally right there in front of you. You just gotta look at what they're saying in their written word and write in a very similar fashion. And sometimes people change throughout a conversation, but it's probably easier to mirror match via text than it is on, you know, via voice. Yeah, I would agree with uh, Robbie 100%. I think people tend to make it a little bit harder than it needs to be when it comes to mirror matching uh, via text. 
you know, like you said, it's right in front of you. You know, just be natural and have a conversation with them. Don't put so much thought into it. I think mirroring and matching is, is really easy with text. Uh, like everybody has said, the hard part with text that I think we've run into is context. Uh, mm. Context as well as how do you create urgency. Um, as well as it is really, really easy to block a text. So um, <laughs> what we found is, I mean, unless you get them right away, it gets harder and harder and harder to engage them via text unless, you know, you're doing a really good job doing a lot of tiles, which we are, but uh, text is very easy to blow off sometimes too. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, mirroring and matching is something that you guys do so well. And I know um, we try to do it through our product uh, a lot harder with, with something like AI, but I mean, we definitely see it in our responses. Some people are just one word answers, the whole, the whole script, the whole conversation. Some people tell us their entire life stories, which is crazy to think about. Uh, first of all, it's crazy to think about they're texting a quote computer, their life story. Mm. Second of all, it's crazy to think that they're just texting some more or less stranger, their life story. So um, is that something that you guys typically see through your conversations too? Is are people willing to actually, you know, hold pretty lengthy conversations, giving you um, giving you those tidbits that you can, you know, build rapport up around? Yeah, yeah I'd absolutely. say absolutely. Yeah, go ahead, Heck. People just they it is weird, and that was something that when I started this role, I didn't understand how people open up that much. But um, there's something easy about opening up to a complete stranger about uh, everything that's factoring into your your move, whether it's a job promotion, you know, relocation, something like that, or if it's something devastating like a divorce or a family death or job loss or something like that. But uh, definitely people seem to have no problem opening up via text and it allows them to have these personal conversations in a public place because they're texting it. Whereas if we're on the phone and somebody goes into personal details about their situation, a lot of times it's, well, you know, I'm at work, I need to call you back because I can't talk about it here or I'm out in public, I'm at a restaurant. But if they're texting, they can text you back whatever they want and it's just that confidential conversation between the two people that's a really interesting <laughs> point <laughs> yeah Heg brings up a good point and i think another big point is as isas as agents that are doing lead conversion how many times do we get hung up on so i think the other text that we utilize a ton is the hang-up text which people that used to hang up on me i thought you know they just basically told me to f off um so they don't want to talk to me i trash a lead uh, now we send that and what it is is half the time people are at work or they're out to supper like Eric said and it's just a really easy way to re-engage someone that you thought you know basically didn't want to deal with you they're just busy so I want to I want to add something to this as well um, to, to your question um, about people opening up about um, I, I like to call them the D's death debt divorce or their dreams and the, I, I think one of the, the funny things about culture is simply this, is that if you think about communication and what we're taught in schools is it is hammered over our head and we're taught to communicate, but that's realistically only one side of communication because they're traditionally teaching you how to speak. The reality is, is that this world lacks listeners. And 
if I've learned anything from this role is that a part of the human being experience, the one thing that we crave is we want to feel heard. We want to feel valued. And we don't care who it is or who's asking the questions. What we care is, is somebody listening to those answers? And um, Jim, you know, I, I know one of the stories you've always shared, and, and I've shared it in my story as well, is you had somebody open up who, who had said that they came home and their spouse was sleeping with another person, right? Something yeah. that most people would never talk about. Hell, I guarantee to this day that person probably hasn't told some of their friends or family. Not because their friends or family aren't worthy of hearing that story, but because they weren't taught to ask questions and listen. The reason that person opened up the gym in that moment was because Jim was sitting there. And, and guys, if I were to ask you this, what percentage of the time are you talking compared to listening? If we were to run down the breakdown of when you're on a call, what percentage of the words are being spoken by you and what percentage of the words are being spoken by somebody else? If I had to guess, it's probably easy 80-20 them if speaking, if that, 90-10, yep. right? And in text, it's probably pretty comparable where, yes, it's it's you asking a question, but it's them answering and answering. So I think, I think the big point I'm trying to make here is we crave this feeling of being visible. It's a part of our, our, our genetics. We want to feel like we matter. And you just asking questions and listening is you signaling to somebody, hey, you and your story matter. And that is that is so needed in the society. Obviously, we don't teach it well. Um, and, and these guys are, are masters of that, both in text um, and in voice-to-voice -voice conversations. Yeah, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add to that? I think that's so important, being able to ask the right questions and consistently listen. Um, I know you guys are living that day-to-day. -day. Anything to add to, to Robbie's points? Um, not to Robbie's point, but Jim talked about the hang-up text, but then didn't even share what we actually send in the hang-up text, which I'm sure is probably going to bother some people. And uh, all that text is, is just, hey, Jim, I think we got disconnected. I was just calling because I saw you were looking at homes on our website. Are you thinking about making a move? And that's it. Uh, so there, there it is. And, you know, a lot of times it'll be like, yeah, I, I just couldn't talk right then. We are thinking about it, but we're still six months out or something. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's how we respond to when someone hangs up the phone on us, immediately send that hang up text. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think you guys have, have definitely mastered that. Um, I, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit um, on, along the same, along the same vein. Um, you guys, you guys have mentioned, you know, some of asking the right questions periodically throughout the conversation, um, kind of a two pronged question. What qualifying questions, if any, do you guys ask throughout the conversation? Um, you know, time frame. Is there any? Is there any information that you're really specifically trying to gather, or are you just th simply there to listen throughout the conversation? And second, what is your guys' intended outcome of a text conversation? Is it to set an in-office consultation? Is it to set a phone call? Or is it to set a showing or listing appointment? Where do you guys try and, you know, convert or take that conversation um, after you've got, you know, some initial responses? 
Yeah, good questions, Nate. Uh, first thing that I always ask within the first couple of um, texts as soon as possible, are they working with an agent or do they have someone in mind? I don't want to spend weeks or months texting someone that already is working with another agent. That's just a waste of my time, a waste of their time. So I always ask that and we go through the normal qualifying questions. What's their agent? What's their ability? Uh, you know, are they pre-approved? If they're not, then I'll ask some questions about their credit history. Are they working full time? Do they know what their credit score is? Those basic things to see if they're even in that pre-approvable range. Um, and my goal is always to get the in-office appointment, but I have set those up via text and it's very tedious trying to determine like a time and a date. It's so much easier just to say, hey, that's great. And then just give them a call. They already recognize your number. You've been texting. You already have that rapport built. And then you go into the, the close. But it's always better to close that over the phone. Honestly, I think Eric really hit uh, the, the larger portion of it. One thing I might add is, honestly, I think the outcome is to help. Um, initially, when you're having those text conversations, you know, they, they're coming at you with a lot of questions. Um, they're starting to spill, you know, their intentions and their needs. Um, one of the questions that I love to ask, and honestly, is, it's just really just stupid simple, is how can I help? Um, and generally, they'll lay out exactly what they need. And I'll say, okay, that's great. I've got some answers for you. You know, can I give you a call? And uh, generally, they'll say, yeah, you know, I'm available or no, but give me a call at three o'clock. And, I, you know, we can talk about it then. And I've already got, you know, I've got a value add because I have information or I have answers to their problems. You know, I know they're going to pick up the phone if they say, you know, call me at three o'clock or, you know, or if I miss or if they miss a call for me, they're going to call me right back. I've had a lot of success with that. Yeah. As far as from my perspective, I always try to get the timeline first. Um, if they're two years out, I'll find out why they're two years out. And then if they're truly two years out, you know, I don't need to have too much of a conversation right now. Because things could change drastically in three months compared to two years. However, if they're a closer time frame and that time frame is validated, uh, then I'm going to take more time into that conversation. I always lead with time timeline, and that lets me know, okay, how much effort should I put into this conversation? Got it. Yeah, I think I think those make sense. Um, I think you guys you guys kind of are, are masters at driving the conversation. Um, like again, mirroring and matching. Um, I know there was there was a there was a conversation you guys were having in the Leads Geeks groups about kind of some of the go-to scripts that you guys use. Um, I think those are typically used or leveraged um, kind of mid-conversation, or maybe if they fell off the face of the earth, earth after a couple responses. Um, and I know you kind of mentioned it too, Jim. You you always ask why. That's kind of one of you guys' most important questions. What are some of those kind of next level questions that you that you that you use to dive a, a layer deeper when they try and hit you with an objection like I'm I don't know my time frame I'm three years out uh, I might be working with an agent my friend's an agent uh, how do you kind of get over those objections or leverage those scripts that you were mentioning to to dig a, a layer deeper yeah this is i think the hardest thing with text conversations is getting that context and getting those two or three levels deeper um at least from my perspective um but i think the the big thing like you said is uh getting into the why so oh i have i have a friend that does real estate um oh well why why are you looking on our website then you know just trying to find out where their pain point is because you have a friend that's in real estate 
why are you why are you talking why are we talking you know so trying to really dig down into their whys i think is the big one and then that conversation that next response is that's what i'm going to use for my next question right and just go and trying to go three or four levels deep with it um <laughs> that can uh that can lead to uh some conversations with that go you know why 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 like eric has had in the past with objections um but i think that's kind of my point is just really trying to go two or three levels deep with the why yeah and every once in a while someone will push back on that uh like i've had the one where I, I love to ask, what are you looking for in a realtor? Because that gives me what their expectations are. And I've had, uh, on very few occasions, people say, I want someone that's not going to ask me a bunch of questions, maybe with some explicatives in there. But, uh, you know, those are far <laughs> and few between. Most people usually really appreciate the depth. If you, Even if it's something as simple as, well, I'm looking for a four-bedroom home. Okay, you know, why do you need four bedrooms? Well, we're outgrowing our current home. Okay, tell me more about that. How are you outgrowing it? And well, we, we've got two kids, one on the way and a Great Dane. So it, it just opens up more and more doorways by just asking why at least you know one or two times on each question. And, and I want to add, add some pieces to this. Um, some people will ask, well, why do we need to do that? What's the point of all of that? Why are you finding out all this information? You could just do that in person. And, and the quote that's always stood out to me is one that Tony Robbins says, where he says, if you want to influence someone, you need to find out what is already influencing them. And really what happens is, as whether it's via text um, or if you're talking on the phone, when, when you use the tell me more mentality like you kind of just brought up eric of digging in deeper into somebody's answer what happens is you usually well a human being is like an onion and, and as you deal or uh, peel back the layers you eventually get to this oh that's why you're looking to buy and um it that information then can be used to leverage um you know to align how do we help you it's so much easier to help them when you know What's the pain point or what's the pleasure that they're seeking? And more importantly, why are they seeking it? While you guys were sharing that really uh, insightful stuff about the conversations, I, I, I searched Lead Geeks and found that, uh, that post by, by you, Robbie. Uh, oh, sure. Just so I can share it with, with some of the listeners. Um, you say the best scripts in the book are tell me more, say more, what else? I'd love to hear more. What do you mean, et cetera? So rather than you know just saying why over and over, um, you can ask why in five different ways. And um, I think that that's really what you guys are, are so good at and um, understand so well about this uh, lead conversion game. Mm. Yeah, that, that thread is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, the, the best scripts in the book, two mores that I'll add to it that uh, I really love, what else, and then keep going. Um, it is crazy how sometimes you can just tell there's more to somebody's answer and it was like, okay, keep going. Tell me more about that. Or you could just, you know, if they're Heidi, keep going. Um, they're not going to open up if you don't ask. Yeah. I love those. That's, that's honestly one of my, uh, favorite threads to keep, keep watching too. Cause I mean, it, it, it puts people, it's, it's not just checking, you know, checking, um, ticking boxes through the qualification mm -hmm scripts which are important which we've talked about mm -hmm. here but it's just going that level extra level 
uh, which is super important in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we've, I think we've talked about what to cover and how to cover your conversations via text. What, if anything, should not be discussed over text? Ooh, that's a good question. I think people naturally bring up those boundaries. Mm-hmm. If we cross over, that's that's what I've noticed in the past is, oh, I don't really want to get into that. Or, you know, they'll just change the subject. Um, but for the most part, I mean, you know, like Robbie said, I mean, I've talked to people about, you know, their husbands or wife having affairs. I've talked about death via text. It's what other, whatever that person is comfortable with. And I think sometimes with text, you can actually be more comfortable because you can kind of emotionally detach from it in a mm-hmm. way because that person's not in front of you and you don't hear that voice you don't hear that voice qu- you know quavering and and wavering um so i mean for the most part you can ask anything it's just how you ask it too like you know if i'm talking to a d on the phone i could just be like you know what's your credit score but via text it might be like something like hey do you know what your credit score is or you know you said you're gonna need financing do you need help with that you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's just that context piece again mm. I think one of the one of the most valuable things that I've learned from listening to your guys' videos uh, before that you preach over you know your phone conversations is don't assume anything. Uh, <laughs> I I would imagine that is ex- especially true in text, or at least equally as true. Um, do you guys just kind of want to cover cover what you mean by that um, and how it might apply to text too? Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start and then Jim, I'll, I'll let you take the reins. I've always jokingly said that the best ISAs in the world would be like a, a knowing three-year-old who just asks questions all the time. And that's because they, they act like they don't know anything. Uh, the problem with assumptions is you'll think that somebody is motivated by one thing. And then as you dig in deeper, you'll realize that that's not at all their motivation. Uh, I, I think with most people I've spoken to, there's always two different motivations. There's a surface level, let them, uh, surface level motivation, which would be something like, I want a bigger home. Um, and then there's always a deeper motivation, like I want a bigger home because my mother-in-law is moving in because my father-in-law just died. And those are two drastically different conversations. And if you just make an assumption, you only find out the surface level answer, you get stuck. And then we're sitting around playing whack-a-mole all the time because we're like, what the heck? I didn't think that was a big deal. Um, But I think that's the big piece with this is um, digging in deeper gets you past that surface-level motivation. Jim, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no no worries. Basically, basically almost the same answer Robbie gave. Um, You know, if someone says, oh, I need a bigger house. Oh, why do you need a bigger house? If someone says, oh, I'm not ready till spring, why not spring? I mean, it's almost the same type of conversation you have via the phone. Um, you're just doing it in text medium. Well, it just reminds me of a conversation that I had uh, last weekend where it was the same thing. Why are you looking at homes? Well, I'm looking for a bigger home. And it's okay, you own already. Why are you looking for a bigger home? Um, and, you know, they had kids, they were sharing one bathroom. And then I got a little bit deeper too. And I said, so when you're daydreaming about your next home, you know, what's something that you always think about? And she goes, a really big bathtub. And that was a really important thing for her then. Um, she wanted, you know, her own bathroom, a big bathtub, like a nice place where she could go 
because she was stressed out with kids and just that was like her one place of sanctuary but because they only had one bathroom that was it and that was really like the pain point was this one bathroom and then she went off telling me about how when they're potty training one of their kids one of them was in the bathroom the other one ended up wetting his pants outside like yeah that's stressful that's that that pain point that emotion where you can really build off of that so it it we don't want to assume you know anything and really get to that personalized issue that is driving their motivation yeah so it- the uh, the assumption thing is a, a really good point, and I'm going to kind of build on what Eric said with a failure story because this was one one time that um, building on assumptions don't talk about things or make assumptions about stuff that they haven't directly told you. I'll give you an example of that. There was a, a, a person I was talking to a couple months ago, and I had initially reached out when they entered our system, gave them a call, didn't get a contact, you know, sent, uh, you know, that initial text, and then they got the six-minute text. Well, a couple of minutes after that, they sent me a text back and said, hey, I'm really sorry I didn't uh, get your call. I'm out at dinner with friends. I was like, oh, not a problem. Just wanted to check in and, uh, you know, see what was going on. So you're on our website thinking about making a move. Yeah, absolutely. We're really, really excited. Um, we're currently living in Fargo and renting, but, uh, you know, my boyfriend got a job here in Grand Forks, and we were, were kind of looking to settle down here in Grand Forks. I was like, oh, that's great. We were talking for a little while, having a great conversation, and then she's like, hey, um, I'm going to have to leave you hanging here. I'm heading to the Ralph, um, which is a big arena in, in Grand Forks, um, tonight. Now, I knew that there was a big Cirque du Soleil show there. Um, I knew that because Eric had tickets. He was going himself. And I was like, oh, that's great. Not a problem. I'll shoot you a text tomorrow. Enjoy Cirque du Soleil. And she had never mentioned it, but I knew it was going on. It was the only show going on there, but we hadn't directly talked about it. And uh, a couple mm. days went by. I was shooting texts, trying to get back in touch with them. And probably like a week later, she had finally given me a text back and said, hey, Cody, sorry, we're going with somebody else. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, um, can I ask, you know, what happened? I feel like we kind of kind of got off on the wrong foot there. Um, she's like, yeah, you just kind of creeped me out. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's uh, okay. So, so unless they directly talk about things, you know, building on assumptions, don't uh, don't assume that you know things, even if they're self-evident. Oh man, that's, that's a good story. I, and and the funny thing is, Cody, if you were to do it differently, um, if you probably would have just sent a text like, oh great, what's going on there tonight? And then she brings up she's going, and then you say that no big deal exactly Uh, that that changes everything but dang that's that's a very valid point i i call that left fielding where you bring up something that they didn't bring up directly um it was very indirect right but yeah that's 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 a heck of a story (laughs) yeah i'm just i'm I'm, just a creep (laughs) (laughs) no you you bring up a good point though cody because i've i've actually made that same mistake before where you know you'll you'll be talking to someone look them up on social media see they work somewhere or uh mm. and and then you know basically ask hey do you work here and it it could creep people out real quick mm-hmm. um so even i i make the assumptions now where even if i know that and i i'm handing that off to uh an agent a lot of times i won't put that in the notes because they have to self-discover or they're going to be pretty creeped out um mm-hmm. so yeah it's a very very good point 
And I think I think that one of the points in this is even if you know something, because I almost guarantee you she went to that that night, ask the question to get them to say it. Just because there is the small likelihood that they're wrong, that something else is going on or there's something else as well, get them to say it, then it's good to go. You can mention it all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Never assume anything that's... That's why I, uh, I posed the question. I learned a lot from, from you guys in your, your past videos on this. And, and sometimes in the conversation, less is more, especially from, from your side as the ISAs. Uh, less, is, less is often more um, mm-hmm. from, from this side of the table. Um, yeah, I think I, think I want to wrap up with kind of one question that, uh, one final question for each of you that kind of builds off one of our past webinars, um, which is, our dials dead. So we've talked almost exclusively about texting today and um, how to take those text conversations further. Uh, we've we've mentioned you know when you should close, um, and oftentimes that close turns into a call or in office consultation. Um, but kind of generally, do you guys think that phone calls are dead or dying? How do you um, intertwine texting with calling? What does the, what does the today of uh, ISA qualification and lead nurturing look like uh, versus five years ago versus what it's going to look like in the next five years? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in here because I just read a really interesting study that was done by, I don't know, one of the um, cell phone networks, uh, they were hired to do a study. And in 2017, 3.7% of total cell phone calls were some sort of spam or robo call. Um, in 2018, it jumped to 29.2%. And a lot of that, you know, were all the calls that were going out with election season and everything there. But it's projected in 2019 to be at 45% of all self cellular calls that you receive are going to be some sort of a robo or spam call. So um, the cell phone companies have recognized this and, and who's going to use a cellular network if all you do is get spam calls on it. Like no one is. So they're making it easier to block calls and you've probably seen it. Android, um, all of the major ones, they have the, the ability to screen calls, forward it to voicemail. So I think, that's why it's so crucial to do that initial phone call and then immediately follow it up with a text message. And, um, but we also need to be mindful of how easy it is to block text messages. So you don't want to send them useless text messages that they're immediately going to block. Yeah. And one thing I would add is I think the old model of things was where the ISA or the agent would control that sales cycle and I think what is going to naturally happen is the client is going to start directly impacting and directly controlling a lot of that sales cycle now. So I think we're going to be there as the relationship piece and answering questions and automating as much as we can. But I feel like the client is going to start controlling a lot more of that, which can be scary to agents and to the ISAs because if we don't have control, we can't control our pipeline. We can't control our revenue and things like that. But people are going to sniff through um, things much more. They're going to start blocking things much more and you have to have a much more customer and client centric um, system or people are just going to leave you and go somewhere else. Cody, you, 
Yeah, sorry about that. It took me a minute to find my mute button. Um, so I think kind of building building on both Eric and Jim's points, you know, if I had to give you a direct answer, you know, are dials dead? No, but I think they're dying. And it's just like any other form of communication. I mean, you could ask the same question of, you know, is letter writing dead? Is door knocking dead? You know, no, I think it still has a place and it's still an important thing in our repertoire. It's still an important practice that we have to, you know, do day in, day out as as inside sales agents. But, you know, you have to meet people where they want to be met. And for some people, that may be a phone call. And for a lot of people, that's becoming text. You know, next year, two, three years down the road, we might have another medium. I mean, we have so many different mediums to communicate. You know, we're, we're on this Skype call right now. We can Facebook message. There's tweets, you know, there's DMs. There's, I mean, there's everything um so yeah i think dials are dying but i don't think they're irrelevant and and i'm gonna add this and i know i've shared my thoughts on this um i I absolutely believe the unarranged um answering of a phone call is going to be a thing of the past um that is with the with the metrics and i had saw that same study that erica had mentioned um if 50% of the calls I receive are unsolicited and robocalls, aka just junk, um, this will the, a phone call in most people's mind is going to be no different than a junk email. Therefore, they're going to treat a phone call unless they know it's from a phone number that they um, recognize, they're going to filter it out. It's going to go in their spam folder. I think what is shifting is texting gives the consumer the power to not commit to a conversation. Uh, They can not text you back if they want. And I think what's going to happen is I think conversations will still happen. I just think that instead of it happening because on my terms as a salesperson, as an ISA of calling you out of the blue, I think it's there's going to basically be uh, some pre-check marks that are being checked, some uh, pre-work being done, and a lot of those calls are probably going to be more arranged or at least, um, you know, pre-filtered. But dials are dying, and it's crazy because I grew up in the world. When I came into this game five-ish years ago, that's what I was taught, and I did it, and I dialed like crazy. But it's slowly, slowly, it's slowly eroding. So yeah. to, to add add to this, Nate, we, we are all big believers in data here, right? We all yeah. love data. So, Robbie, you got out around June 2016. Is that right? Yeah, that's when I was full on out. Yep, exactly. Yep. So, if I look at your data, so from January, let's say 2014, I think that's roughly when you came on, to June 2016, you had sent roughly 31,000 texts and emails when I'm looking mm-hmm. at your data right now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, so light. <laughs> yeah. So, when I'm looking at my data, and I, I started around July 2014, and I'm still in the game. Uh, I'm right at uh, 82,000, roughly. Mm. Um, so four and a half years. So I don't have the calculator in front of me. If I look at Heggs, you know, he's at about 13,000, and that's just over a little over a year. If I look at Cody, he does a lot of automation outside the system. So if I look at here, he's at about 8,000 texts and emails. Mm. So it's definitely, I feel like it's definitely speeding up. Um, yeah. And it's definitely becoming much more text and email. And not even email. Email, I would say, is is people that are over 30 <laughs> years old that are using it. I mean, it's very, very sporadic. It's it's mostly text now. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome insights. Uh, obviously, that's all we focus on it at structurally. So I I don't have <laughs> a comparison of of calls versus uh, phone phone numbers, but I can I can echo almost everything that you guys have said um, today. People are willing to tell you um, their life story over text. They're willing to take an entire conversation to a close, whether that be another phone call in office um, or showing appointment or listing appointment. Um, texting um, is so important to to add to your repertoire today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not doing it, um, as I think your your numbers allude to, Jim, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I just look at my ratio. I'm sending about 18,000 texts and emails a year uh, over the course of this, while Robbie was sending about 12,000. So I mean, it's just—it's definitely speeding up, and it's becoming much more useful and much more uh, prevalent in the game. And, and please know that when we say those numbers, that is basically us doing an outbound attempt to somebody. That doesn't include if I text somebody back a hundred times back and forth. That's not a hundred texts. It would be one text message outbound to them. That's how that's counted. Just so because there's a lot more text being sent than that. I just want to make sure that's very clear. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome data. Um, I think I think we could go into an entire discussion on <laughs> on data, on tracking, on metrics, on analytics that you guys um, live and breathe by in your ISA role. I would love to turn that into another episode on uh, Real Estate ISA Radio. We'd be we'd be honored to have you guys uh, shed some some of those specific numbers on it um, on a follow up here. Um, but for now, I think that uh, we've covered most of most of the questions that uh, I had listed here. Um, for our listeners, I know you guys are definitely going to want to listen to uh, these actual rainmakers uh, a lot more than what we covered here today. So, um, if you, I'm going to let you guys kind of plug uh, where they can go to get more information on some of those videos, uh, leads, geeks. Just where can where can our listeners find a little bit more about Hatch Coaching, Leads Geeks, and learn from you guys? So I'll just talk about the Hatch po- Coaching piece. Uh, uh, you could definitely just go to, to HatchCoaching.com, and we got a lot of uh, um, videos up on there. You can uh, reach out to us uh, via that platform. And then uh, I think the most prominent place to learn about uh, – what these these three real rainmakers I, I love calling them that um <laughs> what that what where they're what they've been generous enough to do is um in in facebook we have a group called leads geeks l-e-a-d-a l-e-a-d-s space g-e-e-k-s leads geeks um some people think it's real geeks it's leads geeks um and if you just search that in facebook we have a group you get to apply to be in it um and these guys have posted how, how many guys how many videos so far guys cody how many is there oh i'd say um just over 40 <laughs> hold on i'm pulling up the the actual page right now perfect and then uh where else can they find some some information guys what are the other resources they can you know follow and, and start seeing uh the good stuff that you guys are saying yeah we have a board on pinterest so you can Actually, several boards over there. Uh, Cody can talk about that. We have our blog as well. Um, so yeah, 
Yes, so you can definitely check us out on most social media platforms uh, under Leeds Geeks, like we said. Uh, Mention the uh, Facebook group. Um, We're on YouTube. That's where we post a lot of our live role plays. If you guys want to connect with those, um, just look up uh, Leeds Geeks on YouTube. And then again on Pinterest, too. We pin uh, a lot of our content and uh, content that we find relevant and engaging on there. Um, So you can connect with us a lot of different ways, whatever, uh, whatever your medium of choice is. That's great. Uh, well, I appreciate everyone taking the time today. I know I learned a lot as as usual, um, but I believe that's all we have today for how to text your real estate leads. Uh, you can find more free insights like this uh, by searching Real Estate ISA Radio on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or on theisaradio.com. Again, this is our sixth episode. You're definitely going to want to check out the, the other five um, but we also, again, be sure to check out the best in ISA coaching at hatchcoaching.com and the most insightful artificial intelligence inside sales agent at structurally.com. Uh, until next time, guys, I appreciate it. And as we like to say here at Structurally, happy closings. <laughs>